It's extra drama for book number 73, Regina. Welcome to Extra Drama. I'm Marissa Flaxbart, your host. With me again is the wonderful Phoebe Danaher. Hello, Phoebe. Hello. And we've been talking about Regina's legacy, the book, not so much the legacy. And it's I'm seeing the complication of naming your book a, uh, a noun. <laughs> what is it called? What's that kind of noun? Where it's a, it's an idea. It's a... Boy, there's a word. An abstract noun? An abstract noun. Thank you so much. And You're um, that's this book is the title of this book is an abstract noun, Regina's Legacy, and we're talking about it. So welcome back to Extra Drama. Now I know you had some more stuff about like notes and, and details about Regina's legacy that you wanted to share uh, with our audience and talk through. Um, but I had a, a question for you first to start. Um, so you were are younger than I am. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly how old you are, but I know you're younger than I am and went to school, very different kind of school, um, many years after I did. And I was wondering about your own or like what you saw as your peers, like YA reading f- habits. Like, was there a series that was really popular when you were growing up, whether you read it or you felt like other people were reading it? Was did you have a Sweet Valley High of your own? Not in terms of this kind of clearly made for children, little tiny books released every month. Um, I so I'm now realizing I'm probably your first Gen Z guest on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my <laughs> we continue to exist. I know. Well, I'm a cusper. So I'm a cusper. I'm 25, born in 97. Um, So I feel a little bit like a millennial in ways. But I also think, you know, because I'm actually 300 years old, it's, I don't really relate to any of it. But the, there were different franchises. I mean, obviously Harry Potter. Don't even need to go into that. I was definitely part of that Warrior Cats generation which is a lot to go into. Oh my God, that, there's definitely a podcast. Warrior Cats is also, I mean, it, where to even jump in? It is sort of Shakespeare and Game of Thrones, but about this, these multiple clans of cats in the English countryside. Cool, very um, cool. So it's it created a lot of furries, definitely. Um, and that's a morally neutral statement. Some of my, some, some of my best friends are furries. Um, but it's kind of, it was really, really weird. And looking back, I don't know why we read it. Because it'd be like political history of cats. Wow. So that was the big one. Um, it was written by a team of ghostwriters, much like this. And so it, it has a, a very uh, variable level of quality. Um, so that was the big one. I would say when I, I was in that. middle school. But then, yeah, I mean, Twilight, like I said last episode, Mm -hmm. huge, obviously. Um, 
again, looking back, there were some things that I really shouldn't have been reading. Yeah. But that was that would probably be it. I can't think of. I mean, there were the kids that liked animorphs, but honestly, that's freakish, and mm-hmm. I never cracked one of those books because they. <laughs> that's funny. Like so so warrior freaks. cats totally cool. Animorphs too weird. <laughs> yeah. Listen, a person changing into a starfish. I don't know about that. Here's the thing. I'm at home with my family right now. We just got a second cat. The cat uh-huh. who we already have. The level of politics between them. I'm seeing why you would write like a geopolitical, <laughs> historical inspired Game of Thrones with cats. Yeah. There's there's cat politics afoot. Um. Well, returning to Twilight, I'm just thinking now, like how different, but still very like workable it would have been to have done a a version of the Twilight books that was more like Sweet Valley High, where you had more characters, <laughs> you had more chances to like break off into individual stories and how how is this affecting Jacob? Like how is this affecting Jacob's sister? You know, like the like little pieces of the puzzle being built up and like Bella and Edward are in every book somehow, but like they're not all about Bella and Edward and you get like, it's the same story, but just like spread out over, you know, 150 books instead of. Yeah. Three and they're still not having premarital sex. Right. Of course not. No, no premarital. You sex. know, what's, <laughs> you know, what's funny about the Sweet Valley High books? Um, and I'm thinking about this because I just watched the Duggar documentary, Shiny Harry, sure. Shiny Harry People, no, Shiny Happy People that just came out. <laughs> sure. Um, and the, the thing about both the Duggars and Sweet Valley High is it's like the most, they're, they're two franchises, really, that are very, they're the most sexual franchises ever, and yet they're so sexless simultaneously. Like, if you look at the Duggars, their entire brand is about how they're having a ton of sex to create all these children, um, but then how they're training these children to have proper sexual desires, which backfired. Um, and yet you look at, like, Jim, Bob, and Michelle, and they're the two least sexy people you've ever laid eyes on. Sweet Valley High is a lot like that, and clear, in that clearly they're dancing around the fact that teenagers have sex, but by God, they will not admit it. And And actually looking at them... They're very unsexy books. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that they. I think that they probably struck young readers as being sexy at the time, at in their moments. But it's one of the reasons okay. why I like to highlight the few fleeting glimpses that we have of that kind of like sexuality or like um, a lustful gaze in these books speaking of which that reminds me of a little tease we did in the main episode which was we were talking about how somebody took pictures in the uh, the locker room <laughs> yes. um, uh, you know, of the football team and um, we didn't talk at all about this very toothless B plot of the book or C plot where Jim Roberts and Shelley Novak are like having relationship problems because of Jim's devotion to the photo club. It's like, that's the whole story basically. But Mm -hmm. Shelley now is looking at the mural with her friend, Kathy and she, Jim has like planted a secret picture of Shelley in this to try to prove to her that he still loves her. Whatever. It's, it's kind of dumb. But anyway, that's the context in which Kathy says, Oh, Shell, you've got to see these. Kathy hauled her over to Claire Milton's photos. 
The football team looks even better in their towels than in their uniforms, don't you think? <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, like Sweet it. Valley High. I know. It's, I mean, listen, the secretly sneaking the photo part, bad. But the moment of two, you know, 16-year-olds in the hallway being like, mm, that football team looks looks pretty good in those towels, that, that I do enjoy as a moment of reality in these... Uh, in these very unrealistic at times books. Yeah, it, it reminded me of like how how preteens think desire is, where they're like, shirtless guy, that's all there is. The male body ends at the waist. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, but see, they're, before all they had was the foot the football players in their uniforms. It was like, ooh, we can see a little ankle, <laughs> like in the, you know, like it's the 19th century. Now they're actually getting to see like naked torsos. I presume these towels are not very large, so I don't know why. That's how I'm picturing it at least. <laughs> but what else did you? You're picturing like a washcloth. Yes, I'm picturing very small towels. I I just realized that's probably not actually what they would have at a high school. I don't know what they would have. Anyway, the towels are small, and that's how I like to believe that the picture looks. Um, these, uh, they didn't even bother to give us like an illustration or anything an insert with uh you know some examples of what the photos might have looked like that would have been nice but i know that you had some other stuff that you uh took note of in this book anything else burning a hole in your uh in your kindle app yeah something sure is burning a hole in my kindle app um what was the episode nope not episode what was the book where they talk about andy and neil because I listened oh, to that episode. Oh my gosh. Um, sure, it's called Friend Against Friend. Yes. So I went and listened to that up because in the beginning, the, the book goes, you know, not long ago, some racist incidents had disturbed the usually tranquil surface of Sweet Valley High, forcing everyone at the school to confront some very difficult issues. And you're like, I'm sorry. What racist incidents? Yeah, guys, that's What's still that happening. What's that all about? Phoebe, this this conversation between me and a unknowing guest has happened in every single episode about every book since Friend Against Friend. It hasn't been very many books yet since Friend Against Friend, but okay. um, the the way that the books are name dropping a racist incident mm-hmm. and then not saying anything else about it is definitely something that readers are noticing. So casual. And, and the way that it frames it as, well, you know, Neil and Andy are, are friends again, and they've, they've figured oh, yeah. it out, and, and isn't that how we should all do it? Well, big news, yeah, gladiators. It is big news that Neil and Andy, Neil Fremont and Andy Jenkins are both in the photography club. And Elizabeth says, like, or through Elizabeth's perspective, we see it's not like they're best friends again, like their friendship is still strained, but they're able to be in the club together. And that's where they're at right now. So that's Which an update. I guess is nice. I mean, I I do think so. At the end, it says Andy's photographs were sensitive studies of interracial friendships at Sweet Valley High. Which again, oh, I didn't even it, notice that. Is wow, it, is it the eighties or is it the fifties? I'm confused. Um, but it kind of it builds on the Reagan fantasy of it all. That like, yeah. you know, what solves racism is actually interracial friendships, and it's actually everyone's responsibility to be friends with racists in order for this all to go away. Just the, the little through line of conservatism. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely 
with that book and that story, it all, always comes back in the same way that I feel like we've done a little bit with talking about some other events in Re- Regina's legacy. It comes back to like how much of a curve you want to grade the books on. Because as you, if you listen to that episode and Gladiators, if you haven't listened to the Friend Against Friend episode, it's it's really honestly a favorite of mine. I'm very proud of that episode and really grateful to Callie for what he like the conversation that we were able to have together. But in that book, we expressed a certain like surprise that rather than ending with Andy and Neil making up and being best buds again, it ends with Andy pissed at Neil and maybe they won't be friends again. And so it is kind of like, okay, well, at least they did that. At least they didn't decide that that all had to be wrapped up nicely and neatly. And now here we are, what, like four or five books later. And I totally agree with you, Phoebe, that it is, a. it's like, we're sweeping this under the rug a little bit, but at least it's not like, thankfully, Neil and Andy are best friends again. And, and Neil and Andy don't appear in this book otherwise, outside of just, they're both in this club. So we'll see if we ever hear any more about that. But um, anyway. That's my thoughts. Yeah. On that. Just like it, it was so much like with Regina's story where it's like, I don't know that this was really handled well, which <laughs> listening to that episode, Friend Against Friend, it was handled surprisingly well, which yes, to me just, but... just means like it was written by a very different author. I think so. One. I definitely think so. And I think that I don't know if this was handled well would be a great just like subtitle. Like I can see it on a poster for Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast. I don't know if this was handled well. (laughs) But speaking of things not being handled well, I think you had something else that you wanted to say about Jessica. Just that, again, she gives very woman written by a man. She is... You know, it's always stated, but it's never outright said. Like, she's supposed to be kind of a slut. They're kind of... They're not saying the word slut, but I feel like they're saying the word slut in every other way. Yeah, it's complicated. Because it's... Yeah. It's like... It's... The book really wants you to have... It invites the reader, in in a way, to, like, have your own personal reading of like what subtext is, is involved here, you know, your own imagination. Yeah. Like, like the characters of Sweet Valley High are your Barbie dolls and you're going to go have your own imagination about what happens with them because the evidence in the book, it's almost like Jessica is a girl who just likes, she goes on a lot of dates and she really likes like making out. And that's as far as it goes, you know? Yeah, because it, it, kind of, it kind of takes place in the mind of a 12-year-old. Yeah, that might be it. That might it might all come back to that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, and, and at one point, when Chad calls and is rude, Elizabeth says something like, well, he, he's not, I mean, with the kind of man she dates, this isn't that surprising. And there's this very, like, well, you know, she has no standards. Wonder what'll happen to her. And it's it's this really subtly blamey way of talking about her flesh and blood. My God. <laughs> yeah. It's also kind of strange because I think that... Jessica 
is actually so she's usually when we're seeing things from Jessica's perspective she's actually so judgmental but it's just that she's really shallow so she picks oh, up yeah. she picks up these awful guys because she's only interested in whether or not they seem handsome or sexy and part of that sexiness is often an element of being sort of like dangerous or mature or you know interested in racy things that um like when push comes to shove like jessica is not actually that interested in so she's unfortunately written off a lot of guys that are probably perfectly attractive because she has her own made-up ideas about what's boring and what's interesting which i suppose we all do in some way she kind of has an, an aura of being written by not only a man but like an alpha male podcaster specifically (laughs) because if you listen to how these men describe women they're like they want these dominant dangerous men everyone fears them and that's actually not what women want except maybe jessica and that's a a little worrying well it's so funny too because you know francine pascal i brought this up a few times francine pascal has said of the creation of these books that you know elizabeth and jessica were you know, ego and id, they were sort of like good and evil. So like, in a sense, Jessica, in a sense, in the world of the books, Jessica represents something that you don't want to be like that, that is that is bad, that is, that is quote unquote evil in some way. But of course, as the books unfold, we're in the 70s now, you know, Jessica is a hero in a lot of ways, and tons of readers and listeners of this podcast love and like idolize Jessica and her like sort of sexy, fierce way, you know, so it's it's all very, it all gets really scrambled, like, what's the point of any of it? And, of course, there's also the element of the era they were written in, an era that we haven't totally left behind, where the perspectives of alpha male podcasters were a little bit more <laughs> just the way that we all thought the world worked or were taught that the that things were like. So, Oh, and, and like Elizabeth's so great. She's actually <laughs> a huge asshole. And the thing about her, unfortunately, being Elizabeth... Uh, I, I, being Anne Elizabeth, I kind of know this. She thinks because she's the good twin that she can be judgmental of people who she deems morally inferior. Oh yeah. So she 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 thinks that Jessica's morally inferior, so she doesn't have to listen to her stupid story about a boy. Um, yep. Which is actually a horrible way to treat people. Yeah. Not to mention it bites her in the ass. If she just listened to Jessica in the first place, she would have solved her mm-hmm. mystery a lot sooner, mm-hmm. or a lot more a lot more easily. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. She actually, she's really similar to Catherine the Great in this season of The Great. If you watch that excellent program. That is a great uh, comparative literature assignment for all the listeners mm-hmm. out there. And I really appreciate that. Phoebe, thank you so much for reading this book and for talking about it with me. Uh, if you ever want to borrow any any of the others, happy to happy to share with you. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me on. I am on the edge of my seat to seeing how this next episode is going to go, especially. Listen, you and me both. You and me both. Gladiators, tune in next mm. week to see what the hell is happening with Robin Wilson. Please. Like, I, I, maybe you're, like, afraid. I'm afraid, too. I need you there with me to, like, we're going to get through this together, whatever it is. <laughs> and thanks again, Phoebe. And um, as for everybody listening at home, thank you, too. And... Bye.